But you know, last week we started a new series called Better Than Good. God desires to be people who are better than just good. And we talked about how being accountable helps us identify where we are blind or maybe even own up to our own mistakes. That when we don't give control over to Jesus, we're handing control over to our sinful nature. And that's always going to take us to a place that we don't want to be. That when we're accountable for our work, man, that's something that we're all going to have to deal with. And while the truth can always be denied, it's something that you can't change. It's something you can't excuse away. It is what it is. And the place that we have all started to work that we need to focus on that we want to talk about today is our mind. Because a lot of times we look at the outside, we look at the actions of a person, and we say, man, if they would just quit doing that one thing, they would be okay. But we don't realize that it all starts in here that leads to there. And so that's something that I really feel like God wants to help us with, is when it comes to our mind, we can get to places that aren't just good, they're even better than that. And it's what he desires for us. So I'm excited to bring you this word this morning. And it really makes me think about, just when it talks about our mind, I think about a car and just like the computer of a car nowadays, right? Everything's electronic nowadays, and that computer is the brain to it all. It's always controlling the actions of the vehicle, and that's the same thing with our minds. Our minds are always gathering information, it's processing it, it's trying to make the best decision of what's in front of us. Um, And a lot of times we don't think about that. We think about our minds, but in ways uh, usually that aren't healthy. But God wants us to help them win the war in our mind, to get to places that are beyond just being good. And that's what I'm going to pray for today, that we would be there. That whatever we find ourselves with, wherever we're at currently, won't be the place that we remain. But it'd be something that we see God increase and change and develop us to be better than just good. Especially when it comes to our minds. So let me pray, and then we'll continue to move forward. Father, we just come right now and just ask that, man, would you just silence the noise that maybe has been screaming at us this week, maybe that's been trying to draw our attention away from you, Father, that whatever problems, whatever issues we walked in here with, Lord, that, uh, man, we would just be reminded that you're the solution to those things, that you have all authority, Father, in heaven and on earth, Lord, and because we are your children, we are your child, we can have that same authority here on this earth. And Father, I thank you that you're a God that doesn't just meet us where we're at, but you take us to places that are beyond where we find ourselves. And so, Lord, would you just do it again? Would you just speak to us in ways that are tangible, in ways that we could receive it, in ways that stick with us? It wouldn't just come out of one ear and and go out the other, Lord, but it'd be written on our heart. It'd be something that would remain to us, that every time we find ourselves in a new situation, we could reflect on the same God who carried us through. So, Father, we just thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your consistency. We thank you that you're willing to meet with us. So, Father, we just love you. We just lift this all up to you and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Today, we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 1, and really the the point of this whole message today is coming from these couple of verses, but we're going to be kind of all over the place. Now, usually I just read one section because I want you to see that you could just focus on one section in the Bible and get so much out of it. But a lot of times what you realize, the more that you read, and it reminds me of this picture that I've seen, is that the Bible is like, it's just interwoven, right? Just like clothes, the way the clothes have sewn together, the Bible is the same way. The Bible is often referring back to older times and older times to newer times, and it's just crazy the way that God has just woven this together. And so as I'm using all these different scriptures, I want you to see because God is woven this thing in a way that we can't deny it. 
just like we talked about the truth, right? People can shape the truth however they want, but the truth at the end of the day is always the truth. And I want us to read this from 1 Peter chapter 1, and I want us to focus on these verses right here, verse 13 through 16. This is what it says. So prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope into the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scripture says, you must be holy because I am holy. So Peter's telling us plainly, he said, look, man, we're called to live a life of obedience, called to live a life of holiness. Like that's the bar, that's the standard. That's the precedent that God has set. And he's not going to lower that for any of us. He's saying this should be the aim. This should be the target. This is what we should be striving to work for and always growing in. And I shared last week, man, Jesus is so kind. He meets us exactly where we are. But it's not a place we're meant to stay. It's a place that we're meant to continue to move forward. And as a child, we talked about how children are always growing. They're always maturing. And as a believer, the same should be true about us. We should always be growing. We should always be maturing in our faith in ways that it can be seen in us and through us, that people could see you and say, man, I could tell that's a believer. I could tell my God is working in their life because they are a different person than who they used to be. They don't even talk the same. They don't act the same. I could see God is doing something that I've never seen witness for myself. There should be some growing, some in our faith, some maturing in our faith. And it's not an instant process. It's not an overnight thing as much as we wish things are. It takes time. It takes effort, consistency. It takes humility to be developed. But no matter where we find ourselves at today, no matter how long we've been on this journey, this walk with the Lord, there's one thing that always remains that you either start at or we always have to return to so we can reflect obedience and holiness. And I want us to take this away this morning. We can grow in holiness when we grow in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Bless you. We can grow in holiness when we grow in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know about you, but fellowship wasn't a word or a term that I was accustomed to until I started going to church. Then everything's about fellowship, right? We gather and we're doing this, and it's fellowship. It's really like a churchy word, I would say, because that's what we're usually here. But the term itself is to imply that I'm actively spending time with somebody. It's to fellowship with someone that's going to grow in a relationship with you. So you think about a relationship, when you are fellowshipping with somebody, you're learning about them, right? You're learning how they operate, how they talk, you're learning how they think, how they act, and you're learning their voices. All these things help you better know this person to a point that you just know them so well, you know what they're going to say, you know what they're thinking. And that's what God desires for us, to have that fellowship with the Holy Spirit in a way that we become one. I mean, that's what Lubbock Unified is all about. The word unified is because we want to be one with God. We want to be one as a body. We want to be one with each other. And that's something that Jesus has sought for his disciples. He spent a couple of years with them teaching, pouring into them, hoping that they would become one with him. So when the time came that he had to leave them, they would still carry on and be one. And that's what we're gonna, I want us to see today. Before Jesus was crucified, he was preparing his disciples to a life that he would no longer physically be present. But he wanted to ensure that the time that he spent with them would continue to carry on even after him. And we're going to read what Jesus tells them in, first, in John chapter 14. 
who have it on the screen here. John chapter 14, Jesus tells the disciples this, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with my father. See, you can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the son can bring glory to the father. Yes, you can ask for anything in my name and I will do it. And if you love me, obey my commands. And I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and it doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. That's that fellowship. That's that relationship, right? He said, man, you stay in this relationship. You're growing in this relationship in a way that you become one, in a way that you recognize him, that you receive him, that he's in you. He becomes part of you. So Jesus is telling the disciples, man, I'm living with you now, but there's going to come a point that I'm not going to be here. But what I have for you is going to be better than that because it's actually going to be inside of you. That once I'm killed and resurrected back to God, I'm going to place the Holy Spirit, my spirit, God's spirit inside of you. And when you make Jesus your Lord and Savior, that's the gift that we receive. Not just the salvation of our life, not just being forgiven for the things that we've done, that we will do or we won't do not just spending eternity in heaven, but we have the gift of the Holy Spirit living within us to help us with this life. And as we grow in fellowship with the Holy Spirit, we're going to be led to do things that are holy. We're going to lead to do things that are obedient. We're going to lead to reflect Jesus in all the ways that we read about in the Bible and all the ways that he's trying to teach us and show us. So he's going to help us not just do good things. He's going to help us do better things. And that's what God desires for us. Because what did Jesus say? He said, man, you're going to do good works, but you're going to do even better works, even greater works than the works that I've done. But the way that we receive that is through the Holy Spirit. Jesus then continues in a couple verses later in that same chapter 14. He tells him this, and I'm telling you these things now while I am still with you. But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything. And will remind you of everything I have told you. I'm leaving you a gift, peace of mind and heart. So the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Jesus said, man, the Holy Spirit is going to teach you. He's going to remind you. He's going to empower you. It's going to be a gift that brings peace to your mind, to your heart. Because here's the thing, church. Everything that we have in our mind flows to our heart. And from our heart, man, it flows back out of our mind. So we we are intentional in our relationship with the Holy Spirit. We're growing in ways of holiness. We're growing in ways of Jesus. We're living these things out. We're reflecting who God is. And it makes me think, I don't know if you know anything about animals. I'm a big animal guy, you know what I'm saying? But zebras, you look at a zebra, don't they look all the same? Well, did you know that when a mother gives birth to a zebra, she isolates the calf and herself away from the rest of the herd? She spends time with the zebra. So that way that the zebra can know their voice, can identify them, can know their patterns. So by the time that they are reintroduced into the whole herd, as much as they look the same, as much as they smell the same, they might even act the same. Say, nah, that ain't my mom. My mom's over there. I know my mama because I spend time with her. That's what fellowship with the Holy Spirit does for us. That's what we have to do. Say, man, I got to invest in this relationship with the Holy Spirit so that way when I'm in a season that things look similar that are trying to imitate God, I can know the difference. I can know what is of God and what is against God. 
I can see when I've messed things up and I've made a stop wrong and I could get back on the right track. So as a believer, we got to be investing in that relationship with the Holy Spirit. And you might be like, oh, okay, well, I don't really understand that. Well, there are three things that are going to help us get better than good when it comes to that relationship, to that fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And that's reading, that's praying and obeying. Reading, praying, and obeying, okay? That could be a whole song, reading, praying, and obeying, okay? <laughs> reading, praying, and obeying. Because when we are reading and we are praying and obeying and we include the Holy Spirit, man, it activates him within us. It activates the same spirit that rose Jesus from the grave within us. So a lot of times when we read, we're just reciting it. We're trying to make sense of it, but we're like, I really don't know what I'm, what I'm even reading. But when you include the Holy Spirit, he starts to bring these scriptures to life. He starts to reveal lessons that you need to receive. He starts to speak to you in your whole situation. He makes it more than just words. He makes it more than just a time stamp in history. He makes it real. He makes it alive in your life. But you have to invite him in. You say, you already here, so I need you to speak to me when I'm reading this. I need you to reveal what it is that I'm missing, that I'm not understanding. I need you to help me understand this so I can live this out. I need you to show me what I need to take away from this. That's how you include him in what you read. And it goes with praying. If I'm praying with the Holy Spirit, that means I'm doing more listening just as much as I'm doing the talking. I got to be talking to him, but I got to be inviting him in to be actively listening. So that means I'm waiting for a response. I'm expecting him to speak to me for all the things that I'm sharing with him. I say, man, I, I need you to reveal what's going on, how I'm feeling, so I can see the difference of what is God and what is not. So when we're praying with the Holy Spirit, we're leaving him room for him to respond, for him to move. When we are obeying the Holy Spirit, that means I'm doing what has been taught in the Scripture, what he's already revealed to me, what he's been trying to teach me. I'm doing the things that he's prompting me to do. Guess what? It's reflecting the things that Jesus taught me to do. So when I'm walking and I see two doors and he says, take the left one, I'm like, okay, I, I want the right one. But if you said the left one, I'm going to take that we got to get to a point that our relationship, our fellowship with him, that we are one, we can hear his voice, and when we're reading, when we're praying, when we're obeying. We need him to speak to us, to guide us, because what did Jesus say? He said, man, I might not physically be there, but I'm giving you something that's great. I'm giving you a piece of me that's actually going to be in you, so you can discern the difference of things that are not of me. But you have to grow in that relationship. The Holy Spirit often gets overlooked because we always were just talking about God and about Jesus, right? Hey, you need to spend time with God. You need to spend time with Jesus. But the Word of God shows us that it's through the Holy Spirit that activates our faith. It's the Holy Spirit that's the one that's saying, hey, don't do that. Hey, them people aren't for you. It's the Holy Spirit that's the one that's giving you these lessons out of the Word. That even when I'm giving a message, you say, Pastor, that was right for me. Man, God was speaking to me. Yeah, he was speaking to you through the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is a part of God, he's a part of Jesus, but he's also his own thing. Because he is a gift, like he, Jesus said, that is here for us. He's a gift in things that we are not going to find in the world. What did Jesus say? I'm going to give you a piece of your mind and your heart, things that you're not going to find in this world. Many people are searching for things that they cannot find because they're going to places that didn't create them. You got to understand, if God designed you a certain way, then he knows exactly what you need to be fulfilled. But you have to return to him, and we return to him 
and connect with him through his Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit is being active in us, it's going to be seen through us. He's going to help us reflect holiness. Because holiness is a hard standard, right? I look at holiness and I say, there's no way I can live up to that. There's no way I can reflect that. But the Word of God says, yes, you can whenever you have the Holy Spirit in you and you allow him to work through you. I want to read this in 2 Peter chapter 1, 3, because this just further drives the point home. Peter says this, By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. And we have received all this by coming to know him. What's that? If we come to know him, that means we're in fellowship with him, right? The one who has called to us to himself by the means of his marvelous glory and excellence. So it is by God's power, by his design, that he said, I'm going to give you everything that you need. All that things that I said to be obedient to the standard of holiness, guess what? I'm going to make sure that you have the resources, that you have the wisdom, you have the support, all the things that you need to live this out. I'm going to give it to you. And you receive it by how? He said, coming to know me. That means there got to be some fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And as we grow in that, we continue to grow in holiness and the revelation of Jesus. We become divinely empowered to do what Jesus has done. But what did Jesus say? You're going to do even greater works. Even greater works than what I've done. It's hard to believe that for ourselves, church. Because we look at the things Jesus did and we say, man, God, you is not going to do something like that with me. He said, you're right. I'm going to do something greater than that. But you have to believe it for yourself. You have to invest for yourself. Because God doesn't want us just to have a good life. He wants us to have a what? A better life. One that displays his holiness inside of us that we gain through his Holy Spirit and in our faith in Jesus. So we have to start with that relationship. We have to continue to work on that relationship. We have to always go back to that relationship because it's going to help us with all our relationships but it's going to continue to transform us in those ways. Because that verse that we said, that very first verse in First uh, Peter 13, he said, man, you got to prepare your mind for actions so then you can exercise self-control as you gain revelation in Jesus Christ. So we say, look, man, before you even can work on those actions, before you can work on your mind, before you can exercise self-control, you got to work on this relationship that's going to activate these things in you. That's going to help you get to that place that you can start to prepare your mind so you can have the right actions, so you can actually have self-control. And the enemy knows this. The enemy always comes and attacks, right? As soon as you're doing good, what happens? It's like things go bad, right? You said, okay, the weatherman didn't say this storm is coming in. I don't know where these clouds are coming from. I wasn't expecting this to happen this way. And the enemy is always looking to use things that are external to affect us and that's usually what we're focusing on right we look at our situations we look at finances we look at racism we use our eyes to say okay this is not good this is bad and we think okay this is how the enemy works he's trying to distract me he's trying to show things in my face he's trying to take me off of what god has for me but the truth of the matter is yes he uses those things but he could care less about those things because what he's really after the real threat that we have is our minds that's what we're really is under attack. If we allow him to influence our minds, man, then he could use us to do anything. He's always after our minds, and he's going to use external things to get us to that point. But oftentimes, he's looking for other things than that. 
That's like a last resort that he's really trying to do. He said, man, ain't nothing else working. Then let me throw some things in their face so that way I could confuse them, so I could frustrate them, so I could discourage them. So hopefully I can mess up what God is doing for them. There's always a battle between our hearts and our minds. There's always a war between the things that you know and the things that you feel. Between what you want and what you need, between who you are and who you want to be. The devil knows, man, before I can get you to do something that you will regret, I got to convince you that it's something worth doing. And in order to do that, I got to attack your mind. I got to get in your head. I got to whisper in your ear. It's just like at the very beginning with Adam and Eve. Eve, Adam, they was doing their own thing. And what did the serpent do? He came and said, God really say that? Let me talk to you for a second. Can I, just have, can I have your ear for a second? He wants to get control of our minds. He wants to influence us because he knows our minds lead to our actions. And if he can influence our mind, man, our actions can become open to his destruction. So I want us to receive this this morning. To have actions that are holy, we need a mind that is being renewed. To have actions that are holy, we need a mind that is being removed. That means my thoughts, my attitudes, the things that are going off on this thing. What did Bobby Boucher say? The medulla oblongata. I need the, I need the Holy Spirit to be working on this thing, okay? I need him to be working on my mind. And God would just remind me of this story in Luke 5. There's a story with Jesus in the house, and he's teaching everybody, and everybody's just like, oh, my gosh, Jesus is so good. If you heard Jesus, you need to hear what he's saying. And then these group of friends have a friend that's paralyzed, and they say, man, we can't get through the crowd. Let's cut a hole through the roof. Let's drop our friend there because I know Jesus has the ability to heal him. I know that Jesus is the solution for him and for what we're facing. So they cut a hole. They drop the paralyzed man, and there's other religious leaders that are waiting they some haters. They've been waiting to trip up Jesus. This is the Sabbath day in the Torah, which is the laws of God. There's a command that says on the Sabbath, everybody should rest. You shouldn't be working. You should be hanging out, chilling. I'm like, yes, Lord, we all need that in our life, right? We need some rest. So they're looking. Let's see, let's see what Jesus does because he shouldn't even be out here talking. We want to trip him up. We want to get him in trouble. But Jesus is Jesus. He already knows the situation. He knows how people think. He knows how people look at situations. He already knows. Y'all looking and you using your eyes. You're looking at things from an external thing, not realizing that the problem lies within. So he tells them, he says, you know what? I encourage you, young man, your sins are forgiven. And that set off the religious leaders. They said, what does this man mean, sins are forgiven? They thought he was going to heal them the other way. This dude thinks he could forgive sins. Who is this guy? Jesus already knows. He said, I ain't even got to hear you. He said, I know what they're thinking. He says, it's easier for me to say that this man's sins are forgiven or for him to stand up and pick up at his mat and walk. He said, to prove that I have the authority to forgive sins and do exactly what I'm talking about, pick up your mat and walk. The man picked up his mat and he walked. Everybody was floored. Everybody was like, oh, my gosh, that was so crazy. I can't believe it. He healed this man and he forgave his sins. That's crazy. He got a two-for-one special. <laughs> Jesus is like, nah, y'all don't get it, though. You're looking at your problems from an external thing, not realizing that the problem is deeper than that. We see a person that has a problem with alcohol, and we say, man, if they would just quit drinking, it'd be okay. Not realizing that what causes them to drink is something deeper than what we're seeing. 
But Jesus understood that. He said, man, there are some things that are going to paralyze you. You ain't got to be physically paralyzed like this man, but are going to paralyze your faith, going to paralyze your life. They're going to keep you from being renewed in your mind. They're going to keep you from fellowship with the Holy Spirit. He said, and I'm helping to aim past that. Because before our actions can match our faith, we need our minds to catch up with our hearts. And the word of God says that before we come to him, we have a hard, stubborn heart. That no matter how much as we try to get things right, we're never going to be right. He has to give us a new heart. And we receive a new heart when we place our faith in him. But the thing is, if you got a new heart, you got to take care of that thing, right? I can't keep feeding it junk food and think that everything's going to be okay. Like I'm not going to corrupt this new heart that I have. I have to be mindful of what is needed for it. So Jesus is trying to make them realize that in that story. I want to read what it says in Ephesians 4 because this just continues to, to add to it. Ephesians 4 verses 21 through 24 says, Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, he said, throw off your sinful nature, your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit, right, he said, the Holy Spirit, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So when we are in fellowship with the Holy Spirit, we are blocking the renewing of our minds. That means you could be made new, you could give your life to Jesus and still be walking around in clothes that don't fit you no more. That means you could get baptized on Sunday and be cussing somebody out by Sunday night. Could be a jerk. Let's be honest, church. How many of us got clothes in our closet that we just holding on to? Again, like I don't even know why I still got it. When I was younger, I used to have this Green Bay Packer jersey, okay, because it was a Brett Favre. I was a Brett Favre fan. It was reversible. And I, that thing didn't even fit me, and I would still try to squeeze in that thing. <laughs> Stomach all showing, I didn't even care. There's got to be a point we realize, you know what, these clothes that I got on, that, that don't fit me. That's an old phase of my life. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago, right? New seasons require new mindsets. Things got to change sometimes. We got to realize, look, man, if I'm made new in Christ, that means some of those old things I can't carry forward with me. I got to get rid of it. Because if not, then I'm trying to put on new clothes that don't fit me no more. And the only way I can overcome this is when I allow the Holy Spirit to renew my mind. I got to let him do what I need. I need to help. I need to allow him to grow me, to show me something new, to give me a different outlook than the one that I had before. Because what happens when we're always putting on the same clothes is we're doing things that never worked out in the first place. We're just trying the same old thing and expecting different results. And that's just, that's the definition of insanity. When you're doing the same old thing, expecting something different to come from it, that ain't going to work like that. God's saying, I got to give you something new. I got to renew your mind so I can change your thoughts, so I can change your actions, so you can reflect my holiness. And the Holy Spirit wants to filter out those things so we can see what is not of God. So we can see when it's our emotions that have kind of taken us over, that are kind of leading us astray, that are making us feel some type of way. So we can see the difference when it's the enemy that's whispering something to me, and it's not just the situation. It's not the Holy Spirit trying to trip me up. He said, maybe we got to put on our new nature. And when we do, we could be righteous. We could be holy in what we do. Because the truth, this is the truth, the thing that I've heard in my life is if you think you can't do something, 
You're not going to do it. But if you believe that there's a possibility, man, then you're going to have a chance to make it happen. Because if we dwell on the problems, then we allow them to overwhelm us. But if we see solutions, we're always going to find some. So before our actions can be seen, it got to start with our minds. And this is what the Holy Spirit wants to produce within our minds. I want to talk about this in Galatians 5, 22 through 23. It says this, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and then that other one, self-control says there are no laws against these things. So the Holy Spirit will renew our minds to produce the fruit in places that we've always done the opposite. So instead of me getting mad and filled up with anger in the situation, I could take a step back and say, okay, look, let me check out my perspective. Maybe I'm looking at this thing the wrong way. I'm able to have peace in the middle of a storm. I'm able not to have hatred and anger in ways that I normally would. I'm able to say, okay, hold up. Maybe I got some wrong in this too. The Holy Spirit wants to transform our thoughts and our minds in ways that we need because harmful thoughts are always going to lead to harmful actions. And if our minds are on the wrong things, it's going to produce the wrong things in our life. So if I'm overwhelmed by my problems and that's all I focus on, then I'm going to be missing out on the peace that I need to get through what I'm facing. Instead of talking to the Holy Spirit, I'm going to end up talking to the spirit of defeat. I'm going to end up talking to the spirit of pity. I'm going to allow this other spirit to lead me in places that I don't belong and then see it be produced in my life. The word of God is saying, man, we got to give him our minds. We got to let him transform them. I don't know if anybody's big on fishing. And this just didn't hit me till the other day. And I was reading this book by Louis Giglio. And it's called... Uh, don't let the enemy have a seat at your table. But he was talking about fishing, and it's something I, I've, I've, I never realized. You know, fishermen, what do they have? They have a hook on the end. But often, if they're a good fisherman, they always have something at the end of that hook, right? And it's usually bright colors. It's usually shiny. It's trying to draw in that fish, even the bait, right? No matter if you're using worms, corns, you're trying to do something to draw in and to trick the fish without realizing that there's a trap at the other end of it. And that's what the enemy does, too. He tries to use things that get our attention, that look pleasing, that look like it's going to fulfill that thing that we're facing. And we don't realize that on the end of it is a trap. Not until it's, it's too late and we're already hooked. He says, if I could just give them to believe that what I have for them is fulfilling enough, then they're not going to realize the cost that's at the end of it. So he tries to lure us, or in, lure, lure us in. He tries to get our attention promising what we're going to get. It's not going to cost you a lot. Just go and take this. It's all right. And then as we fall for it, what happens? Then we see that we're deceived, and then he starts to condemn us. He becomes a conde condemner. He tries to make us feel bad about ourselves. Look how stupid you are, man. You go to church, are you still doing this? You're never going to get better than this. We start to wrestle with these things in our mind. And here's something I want you to catch, man. A lie that is believed as the truth will affect your life as it's true. Let me say that again. If we allow a lie to believe it, right, 
The enemy could tell us something that isn't true, but if we start to believe it, then we're going to see it in our life as true even when it's not. And that's what the enemy likes to do. He says, I want to deceive you, then I'm going to condemn you because I want to get your mind all jacked up. I want you to think that God doesn't love you. I want you to think that those people that you say hi to at church, they don't care about you. They don't want nothing to do with your life. They're talking about you as you leave. He wants to get in our head and mess with us. Because he says, once I condemn you, I get you feeling some type of way about your own self, now I can start to accuse you. And now I can be on you in a way that you start to look at your own self and affect your identity. He's always looking to get in our mind to corrupt us, to keep us from being renewed. He says, man, if I could just get their mind, I could mess them up. If I could just get in control of it. But the Lord knows us. That's why he's given us the Holy Spirit. That's why he says, man, I'm going to renew your mind. And the word of God, when you spend time of it, what you see is, man, the enemy's already lost. The word of God says in 2 Corinthians 3.17, this won't be on the screen, is that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. That means no matter what change used to hold me back, I got freedom now. That old clothes I ain't worried about. God's going to give me some new clothes. I have freedom now. In Romans 6, it says that all the things that we've done in this life have been dead and buried with Christ. That as he was resurrected from the tomb, so are we in a new life with him as a new creation. That means all those things that the enemy tries to play, all that old record, man, you still this, you still that. Nah, I ain't. That person don't live here no longer. You talking to the wrong one. I'm not that person. That's not what my father says. See, at the end of the day, even my failures... Even when I'm messing up nowadays, it's never going to lead the devil to his victories because Jesus already paid it all. He's already made a way. He says, you know what, I'm going to take that mess and watch how I'm going to birth glory from it. Watch how I'm going to use it to transform your life. Watch how I'm going to enrich my relationship with you. In 2 Corinthians 10, Paul tells us, hey, when those egg and the, that whisper starts to happen, when the negative thoughts start to come, you got to take it captive. You got to use the authority that God has for you. I said my spirit lives in you. My spirit that raised Jesus from the grave, you got to use that. So whenever the devil saying you stupid, say, nope, I ain't stupid. I'm the wrong one. The name of Jesus, throw that out of here. Because the word of God says that what we bind in earth will be bound in heaven. What we lose on earth will be loose in heaven. That means if I allow the enemy to give me all these thoughts and I don't just capture these things, what happens? They stay up in there. And they stay, they start to grow. They start to mess you up. Then you start to be seen in your actions, in your thoughts, in your attitudes. But the word of God says that that ain't got to be the case for me. That through the Holy Spirit, my failures become the evidence that the devil's already lost. That I'm already in my season of winning. That even when I'm in a dark valley, it is a valley of praise because it's not a valley I stay. But you have to allow your relationship with the Holy Spirit. You have to allow your mind to be renewed so you can live these things out. Because the enemy, he wants to intimidate you. But more than anything, he wants to control your mind. Because how many people do we know, including myself, I know this is the truth, as we were doing things, but when I came in a relationship with Jesus, I said, dang, I was pretty jacked up. I didn't think I was that messed up. I didn't think I was that bad. But as I could look back, I could say, dang, you know what? I was really thinking I was in control. I ain't had no control at all. 
I said, man, I got this. I'm a boss. I'm self-made. And I look back, I said, boy, you're just doing everything the enemy wants you to do. You're killing yourself and killing people around you. He wants control of our mind, church. He's trying to trick us. But the Lord says, I already, I already got that handled. All I need you to do is walk with me in this. Trust with me in this. And watch how you reflect holiness. You're not just going to become a product of your life. It's going to become who you are. You are holy. You are better than good. You are a masterpiece. You know anything about a painting, right? If you ever noticed a really nice, beautiful masterpiece, we always look at it from the outside. We say, man, it's so beautiful. Look how smooth and nice it is. But if you really look up close, what you realize it's a lot of paint just mixed up and blended all kinds of crazy ways. That's who we are, church. We are a masterpiece. And God takes all the mess and all the craziness of us and he smooths it all out. So when we reflect his image, it looks holy, it looks perfect, it looks beautiful. So we have to look past all the mess that we see. We have to allow him to renew our minds. We got to be in fellowship with his spirit so we can see it be produced. Because he said, I'm going to give you everything that you need so you can have a godly life. It doesn't mean an easy life. It doesn't mean that there ain't going to be hard times. It doesn't mean we ain't going to mess up because we will. And here's the thing about sin. They don't always say this in church, but I'm going to say it. You know something about sin? It's kind of fun, church. That's the trick about sin. But the thing is, it's temporary. Sin is enjoyable for a short period of time, but the enemy tries to make you think it's going to last a long time. And God say, look, man, that's really going to harm you in the end of the room. You think it's going to fill out, it's going to play out the way you, no, it ain't going to work that way. What you're really doing is you're really killing yourself even though you're thinking it's taking away your problems. It's making your situation better. Even though you have that tiny amount of dopamine, right? You got that pleasure of feeling good in that moment. But watch when it wears out. Your problems are still there. You're still going to feel the shame. You're still going to feel all these things that you felt before you took that. He said, but what I have for you, whoo, watch how it changes you. Watch how it washes and floods all those things away. So this is my challenge for all of us this week, church is that we would work on doing life with the Holy Spirit. That's where it's got to be, church. That's what we need to be working on every day, throughout the day, is doing life with the Holy Spirit. We talk about doing life with each other, right? I'm going to call up my brother if I'm struggling. I'm going to go see my homie. I'm going to do all these things. I want to do life with y'all. Man, we got to do that same principle with God, with the Holy Spirit. We got to include him in all that we're doing and all that we're seeking to learn. What do we say? We got to read, pray, and obey, right? Holy Spirit, I need you to talk to me now. Jesus, I need you to speak through the Spirit now. I need to hear something. I need a word. We got to include him in that. Then we got to follow the advice and the teachings that he leads us to. Because he's going to tell you when you messed up. He's going to be real. He's going to show you a way out. The word of God says that, hey, I'll never tempt you. So we have to understand that it's not us. Whenever we're in a situation, it's not God that's tempting us. It's the enemy, right? It's even our own desires trying to whisper and take control of our mind. But God said in his word that I will always give you a way out. And he gives us a way out through the Holy Spirit. And the further that we go on, the harder it is to hear that voice. The smaller that door starts to get. He says, I'm always going to give you a way out. But you got to do life with me to see it. Another way that we can do life with the Holy Spirit is by releasing and denying the thoughts that aren't of God. 
It's like I said in 2 Corinthians 10, right? The Word of God says that I could capture rebellious thoughts. Thoughts that are not of God, I could capture it. I could bind it in the name of Jesus because I have the authority of Jesus that lives in me. I could send it away. The Word of God says, man, I could tell the devil, man, you ain't got no authority here. You got to flee. You got to go. But when we don't do these things, we are giving him permission to mess with our minds. When we don't do these things, he's having a seat at our table that he ain't supposed to have access to. He ain't supposed to have no room. He ain't supposed to be in my house. So I have to be mindful of what I'm feeding my mind, of what I'm allowing in my life. I got to be mindful of the spirits that are leading me, the spirits that I'm having fellowship with. Because the most important one is this one. It's the Holy Spirit. And when we do this, we can meet God's standard of holiness and obedience. We can reflect him in ways that make us not just good, make us better. Let me pray for us. Father, I just thank you. I thank you for your Holy Spirit, man. Our Holy Spirit, I just thank you that you are so personal to each one of us. You speak to us, uh, man, in ways that we can receive it. So I'm thankful, Lord, that it can look different for all of us, but it can be impactful and effective for everyone. So, Father, I just pray that we would grow in fellowship with you. Help us, Holy Spirit. Help us discern your voice. Help us see your teachings. Help us walk with you and be empowered by you. Because the word says that it's through you that our faith is activated. It's through you that we are saved through Jesus. That because we can no longer see Jesus physically here, it is you, Holy Spirit, that is working in us and through us. So help us walk with you. Help our minds be renewed. So that way we don't allow the whispers of the enemy to infiltrate us, to affect our hearts, to lead us to places that we don't belong, to having us doing things that we shouldn't be doing. Help us see the difference. Help us grow in that relationship with you so we can recognize your voice, so we can know how you operate. So when we find ourselves in a situation, we could reflect Jesus. We could do what Jesus would have done. He said we could do even greater works. So help us do that. Father, I just thank you, Lord. We, we love you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. We have prayer team members in the back, man, church, but let's really do this, church. It's like last week, right? We talked about being accountable. Man, living with the Holy Spirit is going to help you grow in that accountability. It's going to help you grow in that holiness. Because what do we say? Man, here is holy. You are holy. Everywhere you go, holiness goes with you. Let's live this out.